0: Good
1: afternoon and welcome. Well, there's less than a week to go and the election landscape is shifting. For the past few days, the talk is all about a possible coalition and both liberals and conservatives are stoking the fear-mongering machine on that note. So, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh started it all when he said he'd be open to a coalition with the liberals although he's been walking that back since it came out of his mouth. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau has been deflecting those questions, but he just told a crowd in Windsor that a vote for the NDP will create a path for a conservative government, and that's why Canadians should elect a liberal majority. And here's how Andrew Scheer put it.
2: Now we know what that means. That means an NDP government wearing a Justin Trudeau mask. (laughs) That is a coalition you cannot afford, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Okay, well, not a bad line. So, (laughs) attention, strategic voters. At the beginning of the campaign, the Liberals said that a vote for the NDP amounted to a vote for the Conservatives. They're still saying that, but it appears that it could also help the Liberals govern even in the event that the conservatives get more seats. So what do you think of that? And has it changed your calculations, especially if you are one of those strategic voters? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one 866 740 740 And now I would like to to welcome Karen Stintz, former city councillor and current CEO of Variety Village, and Charles Byrd, managing partner of Earnscliff Strategy Group in Toronto, and on the line, Aleem Kanji, Vice President of Government Relations at Sutherland Corporation. Welcome to all of you. Thanks for being with us. Hello. Hi. Thank you, Libby. Okay. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Charles. Uh, so what do you make of these developments and the slight shift in the numbers?
2: Um, It certainly is a tight race. Um, We haven't seen much movement in terms of either the conservative or the liberal levels of support. If anything, um, their numbers have uh, dropped ever so slightly. Um, Clearly, the uh, Bloc Québécois have come on substantially in Quebec. Uh, The NDP are doing better in British Columbia, somewhat better in Ontario, not nearly as well in Quebec, um, so while their popular support seems to be rising, it's an open question as to whether it translates into seats. In terms of strategic voting, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic. It kind of goes hand in hand with the, the wave of advertising, which everyone will be seeing over the coming days and a lot of the advertising that you won't be seeing, which is targeted via social media to individual voters. And that will be very much rooted in, um, sort of appeals to strategic voting because, um, at the moment, there, you have the Conservatives with kind of a lock on 32% of the population, but a long way to go to get a majority. So I was kind of surprised at Mr. Scheer suggesting to Canadians that he should get a majority because that could have the effect of actually motivating people who are opposed to him to vote strategically.
1: (laughs) I I think that the the, the conventional wisdom on the strategic voting is, is now maybe turned on its head. I mean, I think uh, you know, if anyone is thinking of voting strategically, maybe don't. <laughs> Karen, what do you think? Yeah, <clears throat>
3: excuse me. I'm with you. I don't think that um, people when they when they get into the the box and the castor ballot, I think they're not doing it strategically. They're doing it because that's the person they want to vote for. And I, I do think the NDP has gotten this surge of support for what for what it is for the support that it is because um, Jagmeet Singh has done better on. The debates than anyone anticipated now the bar was pretty low to be <laughs> candid yeah. and he exceeded that bar so i think the support that we're seeing for the ndp quite frankly i think it's soft i think it, it's not going to harden into votes or seats i think um but there is a there is still a part of the voting block that is st- still up for grabs and i and i actually don't think it's going to go to the conservatives i don't i think that if the, if there's any softness in the in the voting block it's it's probably going to go to the liberals
1: Aleem, what's your take
4: Well, Libby, I've been on record on your program and on others for the last year, uh, and I maintain what I've said, and that is we're headed for a minority government. You know, really, there is no clear pathway, I I think, um, at this stage, and I don't see that changing over the next week uh, to a road uh, to a majority for for anybody uh, at this point in time. Um, This next week will be fascinating to watch. Uh, I know Charles talked about it earlier uh, in terms of the increase in the advertising and particularly the negative advertising. Uh, I think we're going to see that come out. I think we're going to see uh, continued personal attacks uh, on, uh, on leaders. And I also believe that if you look at the front runners, um, yes, there's been a little bit of a, of a bump up for Mr. Singh. Uh, but has there been, you know, an overall favorability uh, for for any of the front runners um, I, I haven't seen that i i don't think that's really uh, that's really happened um, you know when we talk about strategic voting fundamentally what what that is 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 it it, it, it means that it's, its its intent really is to keep um you know when you look at at votes voting it it keeps um, uh, one party and a disliked party from being elected by two like-minded parties, and so when we talk about, we hear about this this notion of of, of a progressive voting, that really comes down to uh, the NDP and the Liberals. Um, theoretically, it sounds uh, like like a good idea, but oftentimes what it can do is it, it can it can help that third party in this case the Conservatives. Uh, from from really coming up the middle. And I'd be watching for that uh, uh, as well uh, over the next week. Keep in mind the Conservatives have out-fundraised and will be willing to spend uh, uh, all the money that they've got over this next week to make sure that Andrew Scheer is elected as the next Prime Minister of the country. Whether that
1: happens or not, Oh, well, uh, um, according to McLean's, (laughs) uh, according to McLean's, Andrew Shear, Prime Minister Andrew Shear, question mark, uh, he's, he's uh, getting, you know, better, a better handicap than, than he had beforehand. Interesting, you know, throughout the election, we've been hearing no one cares. It's going to be the lowest turnout, but there's a huge increase in the turnout at the advance poll. And Charles, you were just saying you voted at, at U of T and there's been a huge surge of campus voting. I would think that would, uh, that would be good for the NDP.
2: Yeah, this is a new program that Elections Canada has put in place to encourage students who aren't necessarily in their home ridings, you know, during the school year when they're off away at university or college to vote. And it appears to have been a singular success so far with uh, with a very large turnout. Again, we've talked on previous programs about how young people might be especially motivated by climate change as an issue. So that that's interesting. And we'll have to see what those numbers look like.
1: But if those numbers, again, just go back to the writing, will it put the NDP over the top in, you know, a lot of places? And and do you think that they will get enough to be a kingmaker?
3: It, personally, no. I, I think that even their popular support as it spread throughout the country won't translate into a number of seats. And, uh, it will be hard for the NDP. They are not, they're not fundraising like they needed to be. They didn't have candidates that were mobilized. And to the point that, uh, Charles raised earlier, the advanced polling, advanced voting rather, usually indicates that there's on the ground organization. And those votes typically people know how they're going to vote because they're either partisan or they're connected to the party or they've made up their mind and they're not, they know their mind isn't going to be changed in this last week. And I would say that's actually not the NDP vote. I would say that's mainly the Liberal and Conservative vote that's coming out to secure, shore up their support. And the swing that we've seen towards the NDP, that's just, I think, a reflection of the fact that they're doing better than anyone expected, not that I think it's going to translate into anything.
1: Okay, I yeah. mean, my take on the the surge in NDP support is that it might be enough for Jagmeet Singh to keep his job, Aleem. <laughs> it, it, it could
4: be. You know, uh, when we talk about the advance uh, of vote, we've seen the numbers, uh, approximately a 25% increase compared to 2015. And let's keep in mind, reflect back on 2015, we had a change mandate at play. Uh, we had a new government ushered in by that change. I think, by and large, uh, we are not seeing uh, nearly the change mandate uh, that we did see uh, four years ago. Uh, and, and Mr. Trudeau built on that change mandate by courting the millennial voters. And there's a lot of discussion, and a lot of polling out there that shows that the uh, millennial vote uh, hasn't been uh, they, they, the liberals haven't kept that for the last four years. And when you look at issues uh, in terms of the the issues around climate change, the issues around uh, the environment, a lot of issues that that are geared towards that those millennial voters. I think uh, you know we're going to see those millennial voters. Uh, swing yeah, even more to the left uh, with the NDP and and the green as well I'll expect as we got a couple of seats right now it wouldn't surprise me if they they end up with four or five maybe even six and For that the will I, I believe they will I believe they will have they won't have official party status but I think they will uh, increase their seat count uh, uh, a week uh, uh, from uh, from tonight and I think a lot of that millennial vote is going to to the left, uh, and it will it will leave the liberals uh, on election day. That's the way things are are sort of uh, feeling out there, uh, and that's my sense of, of October twenty first.
1: Go ahead, Karen. Well,
3: I think Atlantic Canada will actually play a huge role in it, whatever government is going to get formed, whether it's majority or minority, because I, I don't think that uh, the Conservatives are going to take Ontario, to be candid, and I don't think the NDP is going to make a lot of breakthroughs in Ontario. And if the bloc um, has a significant showing in Quebec, I think the Atlantic provinces are going to be critical. And uh, whether or not, to Liam's point, they they vote green, they could, because I think they have, in PEI, they have voted green yeah, for a government okay. out there. Um, but you know, I don't think they're voting NDP in Atlantic Canada. I really don't think they will. I, and
1: I keep hearing that the Liberals are resurgent in Atlantic Canada. And I think that could happen.
2: Yeah. yeah, there are 32 seats in Atlantic Canada. The Liberals are widely expected to win 27 or 28 of them. Um, the other remaining ridings are a bit of a dogfight, mostly with the Conservatives. But to Karen's point, I mean, the election runs st- st- right through the heart of Ontario with 124 seats, which is more than a third of Canada's total number of seats in the House of Commons. Um, Justin Trudeau in 2015 won 80 of the 121 seats in Ontario on his way to a majority. That was nearly half of the total number of seats he won across the country, and that's even with sweeping all 32 seats in Atlantic Canada. So Ontario remains absolutely critical to the, to the equation.
1: And of course, the word is that in the 905 they will. It's it's an all or nothing situation often. And, and you
4: know what? The thing with the nine hundred and five, Libby, is is that, uh, and I think there's a lot of confusion out there. You know, the nine hundred and five doesn't vote as a monolith. There is there is a strength uh, in in certain quadrants for certain parties, and it is going to be extremely valuable. There's no question. Those seats, when you look at the nine hundred and five, and you look at the 124 seats Charles talked about across the province of Ontario, you've got about 56 in the expanded, you know, greater golden horseshoe. Uh, and there will be seats in play. I've got my eyes on places like Mississauga Lakeshore on election night. You've got a former MP and Stella Ambler uh, that uh, that could take it. This is going to be decided, I believe, uh, by less than 300 to 500 votes on election night. We've got Milton with Lisa Rate. And the Olympian Adam Vancouverden, uh, with is,
1: is is he uh, does he have a good chance there? I,
4: I think he's got a great uh, he's got a great shot, and I'll tell Charles you, Charles is shaking no, his, I'm head. Just, I'm sorry, his
1: head. Sorry, I'm adjusting my caller. Charles was shaking his
4: head. He's got a great shot, and 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 here's the reason: affordability, uh, a defining issue in this election, uh, is something that that Canadians are 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 talking about from coast to coast, and Milton is kind of ground zero for affordability. You see a lot of young families that can't afford the cost of housing in the city of Toronto property. They're moving out to places uh, like Milton. Uh, and, you know, you've got a progressive candidate, a uh, celebrity, if you will, in Adam of that I know the Liberals, and Charles will attest to this. They would love to have that seat and take it away uh, from Lisa Rate, longtime. Uh, a conservative uh, uh, former leadership candidate of the party. This is one they've got their eyes on. And, of course, there are others. We look at Brampton East, Jagmeet Singh's old seat, Whippy, uh Todd McCarthy. This is a former law partner for the former finance minister, uh, conservative minister, of course, Jim Flaherty. Uh, they, conservatives could take that. Markham Stovall. Uh, we've got uh, a battle of, of uh, health ministers, uh, uh, health professionals, I should say, Jane Philpott, Against the former provincial health minister Helena Jackson
1: okay, uh, so just a minute I, <coughs> charles does uh, does Jane Philpot have a good chance?
2: no. No, she does not. Um, and I would say in, in the case of Adam Vancouverden, he has run a terrific campaign. Aleem's right, the Liberals have, want, have thrown a ton of resources at that riding. Um, but it does speak to the inherent challenge of running against um, an, a, a, a well-known incumbent.
1: And she's a strong incumbent. That's right. But
2: it, more importantly, this really goes to um, one of the things we'll be watching for over the next six days, which is for every point the NDP rise in the polls... Um, That may not translate into seats, but it could translate into Conservatives being able to go up the middle and win riding. So the ability of Justin Trudeau to appeal to strategic voting and to say, listen, the last time we had an official opposition that was NDP in Canada, we ended up with Stephen Harper with a majority government. And likewise, in Ontario, 2018, we have an NDP official opposition and we have Doug Ford as Premier. Do the math. The only way to stop Uh, the Conservatives, is uh, not to vote NDP, is to vote Liberal.
1: Okay, let's take a couple of calls, starting with Jerry and Pickering. Hi, Jerry. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you?
5: Fine, I'm a first-time caller.
1: Okay, wait a sec. There we go. (laughs) Welcome. Go ahead.
5: I was telling your producer that uh, I I listen to your show every day. Thank you. And uh, uh, you and your panel have never, ever spoken about the 10.2 million given the terrorists.
1: Oh, we talked about it dozens of times. Not recently, I'll grant you, but uh, dozens of times. Uh, is that is that uh, what you're making your decision on? Is that your thing?
5: Oh, I don't like Trudeau. I never liked his dad. They're cut from the same cloth. Well,
1: you know that's that's interesting. A lot there are a lot of callers who say that 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 they don't like Trudeau because they didn't like uh, Trudeau pair. So uh, I guess your mind's made up. Does that mean you're voting Conservative? Uh,
5: I'm gonna. I, I I always vote NDP. Okay. And huh. I've heard you guys say that NDP might go with the Liberals. Well,
1: right? they... That Jugmeet Singh said that, and then he kind of uh, said, "Well, I don't know if I meant that. Um, it wasn't me that said it. It was the NDP leader."
5: <laughs> oh, because uh, if if that's the case, and I won't vote NDP again. I've voted all my life NDP, but if if it's going to help uh, Trudeau, then uh, I won't bother. I'll go to the Green Party or something.
1: Well, it, it's uh, that's what we're talking about. We don't know now if voting NDP will help. Trudeau or will it help Andrew Scheer? I think that's kind of a toss up and it probably depends on the riding. Uh, uh, but if, if you like the NDP, then maybe you should vote NDP. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jerry, thanks for your call. And I think that does uh, illustrate the conundrum that a lot of people are in. L- listen to him. He's an NDP voter. But if it's going to help Trudeau, he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> but I didn't I don't know that he'd want to do it if it helps Andrew Scheer.
2: Welcome to strategic voting. I mean, it's it's hard. It is very easy for your vote to have unintended consequences.
1: As as everything else can have unintended consequences. Now, I do want to get to our other callers, but I, I want to get to this whole issue of a coalition government. It's... In a lot of places with proportional representation, it happens all the time. It's, it's, uh, it's not a thing here in Canada. As a matter of fact, Stephen Harper prorogued parliament when it looked like the Liberals and the NDP might get together.
3: Yeah. I, I think that Canadians, I mean, I, I'm saying this based on my emotional intelligence, not on in anything that I've researched, but I think by and large Canadians don't like minority governments. I think that they prefer a majority government to be making the decisions on behalf of the nation. That being said, I think there are times when the population would like to hand slap the current government to say, we don't really like the job you're doing. And whether that translates into reducing their lead to a minority position is something that we'll have to see in this election. And this notion of a coalition, I think is intended to say, you can still slap the hands of the liberals while having them lead with us on the side to keep them honest. And, if that was the NDP strategy around it, you know, or perhaps that was way way Jagmeet Singh saw his support holding, cause he knows the support is soft. Then maybe that was a strategic statement on his part, not realizing that maybe that wasn't the right time to make that statement. But I, I think there's a lot of play. And I think by and large Canadians, um, I know Alim, you're, pr- projecting a minority government i, th- I think canadians don't like major- minority governments well
1: i think sometimes they they want one again to keep people honest but I, I don't think canadians want a coalition no uh you know it's usually here when it happens it's usually on a case-by-case basis where you might get the ndp to support you on one thing and the block to support you on another uh Liam, how do you see that whole uh that whole thing
4: yeah. So, look, I, I, I my perspective uh, in terms of a minority government is that I, I believe, in fact, that Canadians like this. I think it, it it keeps a system of checks and balances in place. And let's look right here at Ontario, and in terms of what's going on, we've had a, a conservative government, uh, you know, elected here over the last year and, and, and a bit uh, that is not doing too well uh, in the polls after. Uh, a number of decisions made um, uh, that have, have sort of costed them uh, and, and lost their trust amongst uh, the electorate. Ontario generally elects one colour government provincially and the other one federally. Uh, and I think this system of checks and balances is something that Ontario voters uh, in particular are, are going to subscribe to, to, to uh, as we elect the federal government. Um, I, I would agree, though, that that um, a, a coalition government is is very dicey and very tricky. That is distinct from a minority government. In a coalition government, we could have, for instance, uh, Justin Trudeau as prime minister, Jagmeet Singh as finance minister. How would that work out over something like a pipeline uh, in uh, Western Canada that both individuals have very different views on, amongst other issues? So. I doubt a coalition would, would survive the light of day in, in terms of even getting a budget uh, passed. But I think a minority, as we've seen in British Columbia, we've seen it in other provinces. In fact, we saw it uh, with Stephen Harper for a number of years, has the potential to survive. And I come back to the first comment I made at the beginning of your show, Libby. There really is no clear pathway to a majority for anyone at this point in time. And, and I think there will be... Strong strategic voting with those unintended consequences that will be leading to a minority government a week from tonight.
1: Okay. Uh, let us hear from Ron in Burlington. Hi, Ron.
6: Thank you for taking my call. I want to add a bit of humor here. Mm-hmm.
1: Two comments that are kind
6: of humorous. And this should help uh, anyone at this point in time that's still uncertain as to who to vote for. Uh, Kevin O'Leary said a few weeks ago or a month ago that um, Canada, Canadians, cannot afford another four years of the apprenticeship of Justin Trudeau. And Diane Francis, a columnist with the National Post, has often said, you know, the conservatives are the least ugly in the beauty contest. Mm -hmm. And really think about it.
1: (coughs) You're you're quoting two very conservative people, just, uh, just in case anyone is unaware of that. So,
6: well, uh, yeah, I'm assuming most of the people that are listening to the station are over 55 or 60, so that they have a certain amount of maturity that they can get through all the babble and the glitter and the good looks of Justin Trudeau. Uh, we need we need a leader. Um, Andrew Sheer uh, doesn't have the personality of Trudeau, but at least he's got a brain in his head. Okay. Uh- That's I'll end it right there.
1: Okay. Thanks for that. Right, <laughs> okay. Uh, I would agree. He doesn't have the personality of Trudeau. Let's go to uh, Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Yeah, I'm
4: sadly disappointed by this whole thing. Um, I've been an avid follower of politics all my life. And this is like, this is like a goat, uh, the, the best way I could uh, describe it. So I've, I've got unions that are launching attack ads
7: against conservatives.
4: I've got Rosie Barton, the night she's supposed to be on stage and be a a moderator of a debate, which she's just come from a lawyer's office slapping a a lawsuit on the conservative party
1: okay you know what i we have to sort of fill people in on that we haven't even discussed that it's a little peripheral i don't want to take too much time the cbc is suing the conservatives because they used something uh that this that the cbc taped i i think along with other people um and they said that was unlawful my understanding is that that um their anchor, Rosie Barton, didn't know that she was uh, a party to the lawsuit. Um, the whole thing does seem kind of crazy. I know that the, the Liberals took, an, they had an event on our premises, and they took uh, visuals from that event also without permission, and we certainly didn't sue them for it. It was a public event that we carried live. And uh, I believe the Liberals have used other CBC things that there was no lawsuit for so uh if you know i'm always amused when the cbc makes well, its claims actually, total we're... impartiality but bill that is that is no, a bit well, of a tangent on, on. rosie
4: barton is actually a public uh servant she's employed by the
7: government yeah Academy. but i don't
1: think her boss has told her that she was being a party to that lawsuit okay but the other thing is too they're deplatforming people that want to go to the
4: debate they're actually banning banning them from going to the the, the debate like this is off the rails. You got this Greta Thunberg going out to Alberta. You know what? I suggest you go to Labrador because they've just discovered some of the biggest oil okay. reserves out there. Bill,
1: Bill, you know what? We're getting off on all these other things and <laughs> no, we have we have a whole bunch of things to get through.
4: I wanna talk issues, Libby. That's the difference. I don't care who you guys think. Who may win this writing? Who may, who may win that writing? Let's talk about the real issues that people, Canadians, should be concerned about—about about their oil, well, it's not about Rosie economy, not whether this one's going to beat that one out by a hair or that one.
1: Well, that's that is what is going to determine what happens. But anyway, Bill, uh, thanks for your call. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Rosie Barton. I don't think. I mean, that is. We should discuss it because I think that I think that is quite the story. Yeah. But um, it, it's a little peripheral. Well, it's I'm, worth
2: saying, uh, with yeah. all, all apologies to Bill, that Rosie Barton is not an employee of the government of Canada. She works for the CBC, which, which receives is, funding from the government of Canada as, law, as well as private sector ad, uh, advertisers, and she is not an employee of the
1: government. Yeah, it's a. Crown Corporation.
2: Exactly. I mean, reporters shouldn't be employees of government, right? That That's when you start getting into trouble.
1: Well, yeah. And then there's that whole thing about the subsidies. Uh, it's... Anyway, I'm actually extending this conversation because people obviously have a lot to say about it. I am in studio with Charles Bird and Karen Stintz. We've got Aleem Kanji on the phone. And we are going to go to John in London, Ontario. And John, you disagree with Karen that Canadians do not like minority governments.
4: That's correct. Um, minority governments get a lot more done then majority governments, you take uh, um, uh, the whatever party, they have 30% of the voters. Another party might have 20% of the voters. Well, if those two get together with a minority government, you've now got
8: 50% of the voters, as opposed to a majority government with 32% of the voters who do exactly what they please.
1: Well, that's uh, that's the kind of the way our system works uh, yeah. with First pa- But are you talking about a coalition or are you talking about a minority government where they have to get the support of, of other parties, uh, uh, you know, separately on each law that they want to pass? Yeah,
4: that, I'm talking about minority governments. in minority governments in Canada, the people of Canada would far rather have a minority government than a dictatorship by one by one party.
1: Okay, well, I wouldn't call it a dictatorship, but uh, there you go, John. Thanks for your call. <laughs> okay, bye bye. Bye. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's uh, much of an appetite here for a coalition.
2: No, I can't. Uh, I, and this was this this speaks to something that Mr. Singh did well, and something he did very poorly shortly thereafter. What he did well was laying out last Thursday his conditions. For the NDP support of a minority government, effectively precluding any support for the conservatives. But then he made the classic mistake of uh, answering the infamous question, would you would you support the liberals in a coalition? And there is no good answer to that question. I mean, you say yes, you're in trouble. You say no, you're in trouble. You say nothing, you're in trouble. Uh, one of my colleagues said that for reporters, questions like that are like shooting fish in a barrel—you can't lose. But, <laughs> but Singh could, should not so what have should, gone near it.
1: Okay, so what should he have? If, if not answering the question is no good either, uh, you're a strategist. How should he have? What should he have done?
2: I'm in this to win it. I'm in it. I'm going to win a majority, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, maybe not a majority, oh, come but on. you just have to—you have to avoid that question at all costs because—and it came nothing, about
1: twenty times. I mean, it came it no, was oh, so, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that when I was. Uh, you know in the field more often as a reporter those were lots of fun <laughs> yeah, <I'm
2: laughs> yes, sure, you just, unless you're the politician uh,
1: in question no i mean for the reporters they yeah were lots but of I,
3: fun. if there was a minority government and there could be uh there could be a minority liberal government i, I think it will be short-lived and it, and then it, they then they would get another majority it, i mean unless something anything can happen but I, I can't imagine that a minority government would would last more than eight months
2: This is the creepy thing, of course, that we haven't really talked about, which was, you know, Justin Trudeau's father in 1968 won a resounding majority. And then four years later, he was reduced to a minority of two seats, like the Liberals won 109 seats and the Conservatives won 107. And then in 74, just as Karen alludes to... Pierre was back with a majority. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that historically, um, whether it's a conscious decision or not, Canadians at the federal and provincial level do favour majorities, and the results speak for themselves. I mean, we've had far more majority results than minority results. Canadians tend to go one way or another for the most part. This time may be different.
1: Okay, uh, let's hear from Terry in Toronto. Hi, Terry. Hi, Libby.
7: First time caller.
1: Oh, wait a minute. Welcome. Go ahead.
7: Thank you. First of all, I'd like to apologize, and um, I'd like to apologize because my wife and I, in the last election, we voted for Trudeau, and we've learned our lesson. We bought into his sunny ways, we drank his Kool-Aid, and he let us down big time.
4: You know, it
7: seems like he'll promise the world he's going to deficit. He doesn't make any sense to me. And like I said, we tried him, we bought it to his way, and we're the kind of voters that We try to look at policies, and if it doesn't work, we give the next guy a chance. We're not going to reward the person that let us down big time. So what are you doing? We went went and voted conservative on Sunday.
1: Okay. Mm. There you go. go. Now We gave
7: him his chance. We tried. And what did he do? I, I keep asking people, what has he done other than talk? And he didn't even keep his word.
2: I know he introduced the child benefit. He uh, put a price on pollution. He legalized marijuana. The price of
7: pollution we don't need. We don't want. There's better ways to think. Every time we talk about the environment, all I can see is more taxes. That's all I see.
1: Okay. Jeremy, well. Thank you. Okay, Terry, sorry. Uh, Let us go to Al in Brantford. Hello, Libby. Hi. Hi.
9: I just want to uh, verify something here about when Hartford trolled the government at that time. Yep. The the, comp, the 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 reason he did it was because Jack Layton, and I can't remember whether it was Ignatieff or was the other guy. It was Stephen. Dion. I can okay. for a short while.
2: And Mr. Layton they had passed bringing, on. It was pardon? Mr. Mister Layton had passed on but at that, that point. Malcare. It was Mulcair. It was Thomas Mulcair.
9: Okay. No, Mulcair was the NDP, but who was the leader of the Liberal Party? Stephen Dion.
2: Stephen Dion. Dion. Yes,
9: sir. All right. The three of them were the two of them were bringing the block in to a coalition to put the put the uh, Harper out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were called the They were called the new three wise men from Quebec. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
9: that's the reason Harper paroled the government.
1: Well, that was and and, and, the, and the present leader
9: of the block said on television in an interview that he will back any minority government as long as it can benefit you back. He don't care if it's Liberal, NDP, or Conservative.
3: Yeah. Uh, and Al, I think you raise a good point of, of why minority governments are difficult, because the Liberals would be challenged to forge a, a coalition with the Bloc, as with the Conservatives. So it will be very interesting to see what happens and how government is formed, if, if it is indeed a
1: minority. Okay, yeah. and uh, they should beware because uh, you know getting in bed with separatists can it, yeah. it can turn <laughs> very bad. I mean even i've I, I covered the Mulroney government many years ago, and that was the source of their problems, but Ooh, their yes. separatists were were they call, they they became conservatives but
2: <laughs> I mean Lucien Bouchard who yeah. like, led. You know uh, the separatist movement to an inch within. You know, having Quebec leave Confederation was recruited by Mulroney in yep. 1988 as Among Conservative others. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Among others, okay. <laughs> let that be a cautionary tale, and let us go to Michael in Midland. Hello,
10: Michael. Hello there. Um, I- I'll tell you now. I'm I'm voted for Conservative, but um, my wife rem- reminded me about something. Uh, back, back for 2008 when it was uh, Stephen Harper was in power, right? Yep. And my wife said, we came out pretty lucky in 2008 when the recessions came along because uh, Stephen Harper had been quite prudent about spending a lot of money, which I've, in a sense, I think he did pretty good. Now, we're, we're getting back where uh, Trudeau, he's going spend, spend, spend. And, I think if we ever get into recession, people will be very upset, very unlucky because all these people that keep spend, spend the same as he's doing, we will not be able to get out of it. We're going to be in deep, real deep trouble. And pe- I think people don't really understand all the politics that goes with, you know, when you make these decisions. But I right. like. Um, I like the conservatives right now because they seem to be going the same way as what Stephen Harper was. Okay. And I think a lot of people should understand all these um, uh, different things that's going on. Okay. I I don't know what else to talk about. but Okay,
1: Mm -hmm. thanks. Uh, Yeah, so the question, Aleem, is uh, do people care about, the deficit. I mean, our debt-to-GDP ratio is really not too bad. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Well,
4: look, here's the, here's the reality, right? Um, it, it, they always say, uh, if there is no defining issue uh, in an election, it's, it's always about the economy, and it should be. And here's the reality. This is what, what is not getting talked about, I believe, uh, in terms of uh, the past uh, four years. And we heard from... A few of the callers that, that talked about their frustrations uh, with the economy. Here's what's happened over the last four years. We've seen the lowest unemployment in a generation in almost 40 years. Um, we have seen economic growth surpass that of, of many of our G7 partner countries. Uh, that's a, almost at 3%. That, those are enviable numbers uh, in global terms. Um, we've seen the child poverty rates at their lowest levels in history. These are facts. These are not getting talked about uh, by the leaders, uh, I think, and, and by Mr. Trudeau to the extent that he probably should be trumpeting his uh, his uh, his record. Um, it's all about a, a majority or a minority government. As for the, the discussion uh, in terms of the bloc and the separatist movement, I also believe that one issue that's not getting enough airplay as it is, it's got nothing to do with the bloc-separatist movement. It's had everything to do with Bill 21. And oh. this is an a incredibly dangerous proposition uh, that, quite frankly, is insulting to all Canadians and that punishes people uh, based on the way they dress and having a job in the public service. Uh, and, and it is shameful that none of the leaders are talking about this uh, and are going to want to challenge it because they're all wanting to protect their seats in vote-rich Quebec, you know, upwards of 80 seats.
1: Well, they were uh, they were talking about it um, in the French-language debate, and they were weaseling.
4: Yeah. <laughs> we heard Mr. Trudeau say that he may, keyword, three letters, M-A-Y, he said he may do something about it. And he proceeded to challenge in a very uh, uh, callous way, in my view. Uh, Jagmeet Singh to say, what will you do about it? You're Mm -hmm. just saying that you may do something. You haven't told us what you're going to do. You could withhold funding. You could uh, uh, institute a charter challenge. There are a number of things you could do. And I'll tell you something. If this happened in any other province, I think there would be uh, hell to pay. And these these folks are all staying and are all tiptoeing around it, and are not saying what they're going to do about it. Well, even uh,
1: Jagmeet Singh won't. You know, he's the guy wearing the turban, and even he said that he's he's not going to intervene. And they're all kind of hiding behind uh, legal procedure. Karen, you want to jump in here? Well, and I, I think to your point, Aleem, that it makes it that much harder for any party
3: to work with the block if if they were in a minority position. So. I you know I understand the bloc's strategic position is we're going to do what's best for Quebec, but I think the rest of the country has diff- very different opinions than the people in Quebec about Bill Twenty One. No anybody, yeah. any 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 party that gets the majority of seats, I don't see how they could possibly work with the Bloc on any issue. To be quite candid, and and get it with any kind of legitimacy. Well,
4: well whether uh, it's the equalization or whether it's Bill Twenty One, uh, the latter again in my view is 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 is, is a massive. Uh, change uh, on human rights and on on us as Canadians uh, more broadly, uh, it is going to be uh, a- incredibly difficult to work with a government in the Bloc Québécois that supports a disastrous and an insulting Bill 21 to all Canadians.
1: The lines are full, so I'm going to go right there, starting with
8: Giovanni in Brampton. Hello, Giovanni. Uh, yes, uh, good afternoon and thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, after I listened all the debate and uh, I would say that uh, I would like to go forward uh, with Mr. Trudeau because uh, he's talking about environmental and uh, by uh, 10, 15 years it will be 35% less than bad news is now. And I think that's a good start because we have to start to clean up our river. Our creek, our lakeshore, and our ocean. That's how we get ahead. And about the Avalon there, I think that's about 11,000 people taking out of work. These people are working and they pay tax. So the economy is good. And about the brown face, I would say that we are in five continents. We have white, we have black, we have a yellow, and other racist, so it's nothing to do. Mr. Trudeau was a young man, and he would like to have fun with people. So brown has nothing to do. Well, he He's was twenty-nine, racist, <laughs> and I like to go forward with him.
1: Okay, Giovanni, thanks for your call. Okay, so uh, there's a, a liberal voter, and I'm I'm glad to hear that because sometimes you know the callers kind of encourage each other, and you hear only people who sort of agree with each other, and we've had a, a reasonable mix today. Mm-hmm. Okay, let us go to Colin in Toronto. Hi,
11: Colin. Hi, how are you today?
1: Fine. Yes. Uh, I don't think
11: that a minority government should be allowed to form a coalition with another party in order to get a majority. It's just not right. It's not the will of the people. They voted in a minority government, and that's it. You know, what's the point of having an election? <laughs> You know, like a party's just going to say, well, let's, let's uh, join together and, and, you know, get a majority. It's not the will of the people. It's not right.
2: That um, may explain why there have been so few coalition <laughs> governments, governments in the history of Canada. Well, um, yeah,
1: it, that's, that's a very interesting point of view. And, and as I said, there are countries, those hmm. with proportional representation, where it happens all the time. But can but, I say something else? Um, yeah, but let, here, hang on, hang on. We'll okay, let okay. you say something else, but Charles, yeah. yeah, yeah just,
2: just a couple of quick points. You, you do te- tend to see it at times of national crisis. I mean, the First World War yeah. was, a, was yeah. a very good example. And likewise in Britain during the Second World War, that was a coalition government as well. But strictly speaking, um, it falls to the Governor General to ask a given individual in the House of Commons to serve as prime minister. And then that prime minister can choose his or her cabinet ministers as he or she sees fit. And they're not constrained by political party; you're constrained only by the confidence of the House of Commons.
1: Uh, yeah, um, that is our system, but uh, it doesn't sound like it's very popular here.
3: <laughs> no, I, I, you know, formal. I, I don't think we've ever had a formal. Uh, to your point, uh, outside World of War, yeah. yeah, outside of First World War, a, a formal coalition. We've had minority governments that have worked with other parties to get specific initiatives passed, and typically th- those governments are short-lived.
11: Yeah. Um... Uh, all it really shows is that the supporting party is not much different than the minority government. It, it, it really shows they're all cuts on the same cloth. What they really should have is a no-party system. That is true representation of people, where all members are not forced to toe the line of their party. That's true freedom and true representation.
4: And, and as we know, Karen will tell you that that is exactly the way municipal government mm-hmm. works,
0: yeah. and that yeah. is the
4: beauty. And that, right. that is the beauty of our outside of Vancouver, pretty much. Yeah, uh, municipal governments
11: have that independence That's uh, to That's to right. to govern. Absolutely, they're not towing the line of their party, just like John Denzio, <laughs> voting okay. against the uh, the GST, and he was kicked out of the party.
1: Okay, years yeah, ago. that was yeah. I remember that. Oh, Call yeah. Up. Thanks for your call.
11: Okay, thanks.
1: Well, that would be like a whole
11: oh, some great political system. history there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh,
1: the Rat bastard. Pack. Yeah, exactly. oh, I was that on was, the hill then.
2: That was in the opposition days, and uh, yeah, Nunziata was in fact so upset about the government's so-called reversal on the GST that he voted against a piece of legislation, and then Prime Minister Kretschan booted him right out almost instantaneously.
1: Yeah,
3: <clears throat> I think it will be uh, intense. No segue with this comment, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> other than to see what happens with Judy Philpott and um,
0: Jane. Jane. Jane, pardon me, yeah. Jane Philpot
3: and Judy Wilson, because uh, I, I don't think they'll get elected. Like I, I think that they um, had Jody the, might. They had the sympathetic vote, but I don't think they're going to actually have the voter turnout because ultimately people do want to elect someone that they think can represent them on their interests. And an independent in the House of Commons that has no pathway back to any kind of government is a hard a hard
2: choice to make. It's funny because people in the riding of Vancouver Granville, where Miss Wilson-Raybould is still the representative, are faced with the same sort of strategic voting mm-hmm. decision, which is to say, OK, here's someone who may or may not have stood up for principle and what have you. There's a lot of differing accounts on what her motivation was. Um, but can I afford to have like an opposition backbencher independent in my uh, as my MP when I could very well end up with a liberal cabinet minister or a conservative cabinet minister for that matter?
4: And it could be, in fact, a Liberal cabinet minister out there. Uh, you've got a, a pretty formidable candidate uh, running out there against Jody Wilson-Raybould for the Liberals, uh, Talib Nur-Muhammad. This guy uh, is, is a bit of a dynamo. He's uh, been a former vice president uh, for the Vancouver Olympics. Uh, lots of community work. Very well uh, uh, running a very, very strong campaign. And you've got to believe that Justin Trudeau and the Liberals want to make sure uh, that they end Jody Wilson rayboulds mm-hmm. career that night and get uh, Talib uh, elected. I predict uh, if if, uh, if they win next week uh, in in this minority situation, we may see a guy uh, like Talib in cabinet, perhaps a bit early to be calling cabinet names out right
2: yeah come back. and i'm a liberal
1: <laughs> yeah alim hang on we can talk about that next, next week,
2: week. Nice. i agree That'll about nice. Talib though Talib is a terrific terrific candidate bob ray was actually out there over the weekend campaigning for him in vancouver
1: well, oh okay well <laughs> there you go there you go um uh, but it, i guess um I wasn't aware of him. He's all the way on the other coast, so I guess the question is, are other people?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Let uh, us, we have a little bit of time left. Let's go to Jim in Burford. Hi, Jim.
12: Hello. Uh, my comment is that uh, the people, when they go to the ballot box, just has to ask themselves one question. Am I better off today than I was four years ago? And I'd so it was going to be no. And I'm, I'm not just going to use one one uh, example is that your debt ratio is a buck sixty-seven to every dollar you make. Now, all the other ones, stuff in between is here and there, but I'm not better off than I was four years ago. And so you're voting. And your buddy there on the <laughs> on the panel, when he was talking about Trudeau, what he did, legalizing marijuana had to be the stupidest answer I ever heard. And how's that going today? Half well, the stores are going out of business. They can't sell the pot. <laughs> and
1: that's to make
12: that uh, to make that assumption that it was a good idea. No, it wasn't a good idea at all.
1: Well, a lot I, of I'm, they won the election with that, and a lot of people do think it was well, a good that's idea. Where he's
12: going to lose the election on it too?
1: Okay, because thanks, he did, he Jim. A
12: lot of stupid things, and he's lived up to every one of them.
1: Okay, Jim, thanks for that. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the thing that loses the election if it is, in fact, lost. And we'll put
2: Jim down as undecided.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're uh, starting to run out of time. Everybody gets 20 seconds, starting with Alim.
4: I want to come back to that last caller quickly. Cannabis edibles will be legal on Thursday. Uh, And I kind of like my crime low in the sense that I think legalizing cannabis was the right thing to do because... It displaces an illegal market, and on the whole, I think it's gone well. Perhaps not in Ontario, but uh, but I think it has. We're heading for minority government next Monday night. We'll be back next week to talk about what that means for for us in Ontario and across the
1: country. Okay, Aline, thanks,
3: Karen. Yeah, I think the NDP support has peaked. To be candid, I think it, I'm going to. I think it's going to decline over the next week, and I think the Liberals will be the beneficiaries of that decline.
1: Okay, minority.
3: I'm predicting majority. I bet $25 on a majority liberal government.
1: $25? I did.
3: A whole uh, 25
2: <laughs>
1: okay. Char- I bet, Charles, you're, you're not going to take her on on that. Listen, I,
2: I have found the only luck I have is bad luck, for starters, mm-hmm. and I've also found prophecy to be a lousy way to make a living. So I am no predictions offered at this time. I will say it will be an absolutely fascinating six days, and I suspect we will see a surprising degree of movement among uh, voters in terms of who they're going to vote for. I think strategic voting will weigh very heavily on people's thinking, and it could very well come down to a question of not who you want, but who you don't want.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, People, we're going to be talking about this again. Uh, Free for All Friday is coming up, but I suspect that we will deal with this before then. And, uh, you know, listening to all these opinions, it's a good way to make up your mind before voting day. I hear a lot of interesting things here. So uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you to the panel today, Aleem Kanji, Karen Stintz and
0: Charles Bird. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.